Hello everyone and welcome to Heart Yoga Radio. I haven't been around in a while. Goodness me, 2023. Fun times. There's a, a picture that I saw actually on, on Facebook that really uh, <laughs> that really spoke to me about what to be expecting in 2023. And uh, it was a picture of a tiger lying down from behind. And it's very obviously a male tiger because the uh, nice big bollock sticking out the back. <laughs> there's do, this... do you mean testicles? <laughs> yeah. And there's this hand just reaching out into the shot, um, just about with with the uh, the thumb and forefinger, just in a circle, just about to flick the testicles of this this tiger, which is sitting there fairly um, relaxed. You know, not too bothered about things. And I thought, yeah. And it, the caption underneath was, uh, you know, 2023, so it begins. <laughs> That's just what it feels like. Yeah. And uh, one of the ways that the, uh, the the testicle flick, I think, seems to be happening is I've really noticed since good old Elon took over uh, Twitter, how it's changed and that's what we've been talking about this morning which is sitting in our living room here so this this is just a bit of a just recording us thinking out loud because uh, we're both really noticing how the right-wing content on twitter seems to be uh, hugely more visible than it was before to give the impression that everybody is a right-wing asshole these days and we should also be that way yeah. as well because we need to follow the herd and pull together and all be twats yeah right i mean i even got notification the notifications from that bloody awful bloke what's his name andrew tate oh yeah I, I don't follow him. I don't follow anyone who's even like him. I know Pete's a lot more diverse. I mean, I'm not I'm not really so much into Twitter, so I don't really follow that many people. But mostly they're all lefties that I follow. So why is shit from him coming into my feed all of a sudden? Mm -hmm. But I've really noticed it just recently that it's, it's becoming a lot more uh, prominent and it's to, to give the impression that... This is what everybody thinks now. Mm. So you've been noticing that too, haven't you? Just yeah, recently. Yeah, I think they've changed the algorithm a bit. I think what they've done is, um, uh, if somebody you follow also follows, I don't know. I mean, this morning my first few things were what Nigel Farage, Jordan Peterson, <laughs> Sophie Corcoran. Da Darren Grimes. Fuck you now. Um, Joyful morning. The the editor of the editor of uh, an ex editor of the Sun, an editor of the the Express. I, I, I just I can't even I, I deliberately don't remember these people's names, you know, because they're just such arseholes. Um, because somebody who I follow follows them, and I do in fact follow. I think I probably follow Nigel Farage because I want to know what he's thinking. He's this kind of barometer. I try and use it as a, as a diagnostic tool, mm. but bearing in mind. That it's not the world. Yeah, it is not the world. You could be sorely mistaken it into thinking it was the world, and it sucks you into thinking it's the world if you're not careful. Mm. You've got to be ever so careful with with, with it. I think. Um, but of course, the other thing is you can stay in your bubble. You can stay in your bubble, and you can think every everybody's like Mick Lynch, you know, or. But I'm, the thing is, I'm in my bubble on Twitter, yeah. and it won't let me stay there anymore. No, it's because some it's because somebody you you 
somebody who you follow, you follow me, and I follow Nigel oh, Farage. So that's what's that, popping in. And, and I, th- I don't think it did that consistently before. I think this is one of the things no, that no, uh, it's very def- definitely that, that, very uh, different. Uh, one yeah. of the changes that Elon Musk yeah, brought I like in. It. I might I might be wrong about that, that. That I'm trying to reverse engineer why it's happening. Mm. But then I just write. There does seem to be a bit of a coincidence. I won't say anything rude about Elon Musk because he's got enough money to destroy our lives if he just felt like it at a whim. Um, so, but I don't like him, and I don't like it, what what seem to be his, his views. Uh, I'm not against free speech. If you go back over, over which he, he claims he's, he's propagating, if you go back over our podcast, I do an analysis of the whole free speech issue. I can remember doing it. I did it walking down the canal in Wolverhampton when we, when we lived there, and I think it's quite nuanced. You know, and I, I don't think he has a nuanced view. Of, of it at all I don't think he's capable of having a nuanced view of it he's probably quite a good engineer in, in some kind of sense of overall vision and he, and he knows how to make money mind you did start with a silver spoon but where we went with this conversation when we were sitting talking about the sober breakfast is how that you are really worried about the uh Let's let's call it pathological ir- irrationalism that seems to now be uh, showing its strength or being allowed to show its strength. It may not be that strong, but it's giving the impression it's quite strong. Yeah. Of um, this, uh, well, you would look at a particularly citing sort of like a wild sort of anti-vaxxer type things and and really uh, like crazy stuff. And then you went on to say that um, the the thing that's really worrying about that is that um, uh, fascism is based on irrationalism. You know, it's, just like, yeah. it's like the lifeblood of fascism, isn't it? This I, I, kind I of believe, pathological I believe, irrationalism. I believe so. And if you go back, I did do a series on fascism, which I'm still working on, actually. I did promise one more, uh, at least one more podcast on that. And I'm still working on it, and it's probably going to be another six months to work on that, because I want to run with the idea not necessarily wholeheartedly embracing the idea but running with it, investigating the idea that fascism is, is weaponised a weaponisation of the, the, the death instinct of Freud's Thanatos, uh, this notion that there's a, an impulse to destruction and death within human beings that's, that's on the level of, of a drive in other words something almost biological like the sex drive you know like the the urge to procreate and so forth and it's it's worth investigating but there are immense philosophical problems around running with it even though intuitively i think that it's right i mean there's a thing you might notice if you uh, if you if you are somebody who goes on twitter and, and has a look around on there and other social media twitter particularly being the zone of rage that it is <laughs> yeah uh, and and it's new guys where you get all the right wing shit coming into your feed. You, you you start asking the question, and people people are asking this question out loud quite often. And that is, well, why is it that people are getting their knickers in a twist about about wearing masks as a public health measure? People who who d- deny uh, medical science and what's called anti-vaxxers loosely 
climate deniers, people who think that there's some kind of scam being pulled around climate by scientists, people who are actually basically anti-science, but also kind of espouse far-right politics. I mean, a case in point is Nigel Farage. Nigel Farage uh, characterised our, our public health scientists as as uh, mad scientists. Mad scientists are corrupt in our society or some such sentiment, you know. And this whole anti-science thing. And people are remarking, f- fairly rational and intelligent people are remarking, that it, why is it the same people? Why is it the same people pushing right-wing... A bit suspicious, though. ...economic agendas at the yeah. same time as pushing, the uh, you know, anti-vax, anti-climate, why. anti-science. And they try and do this in the name of common sense. They love anecdotal evidence. A lot of them lie through their teeth. Well... <laughs> I did explain that in the series on fascism that I did, in which we claimed that that at the core of fascism is is a deep empty rationalism. That actually, in 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 the case of fascist activists, is willingly and knowingly espoused. It becomes a point of doctrine. We don't believe in reason. For the mass who follow it. It's perhaps unconscious. They are just irrational because they're not educated. It appeals to the uneducated. It appeals to the already irrational, instinctively irrational. Now, irrationality is a big part of being human. We all have it. Even Bertrand Russell had it. Even Ludwig Wittgenstein had it. He had it in spades. You know, and these are the most rational people, you know, people who studied logic at the deepest level you possibly can. So it's not like a cut and dried thing, but it's this weaponisation or mobilisation of anti-rationalism as a doctrine, which is one of the core features of fascism. Now, fascism can't be defined in, 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 in that true sense of definition. You can't give a list of necessary and sufficient conditions, uh, which, if found in a phenomenon, a social phenomenon, say, or a political phenomenon, prove that we have fascism. It's not like that. It's a syndrome. It's a collection of... Of, of features and um, I think it was Umberto, Umberto Eco uh, who lived through the fascist period in Italy identified 11 features and there's other people identifying 9 features and stuff and I kind of revisited that and tried to do that for myself and, and look at the historical record and figure out you know what, what were the features and there are lots of them you know and, and it's, so, it's, so if you find that you've got kind of a lot of these features you've pretty well got fascism and I've maintained for a long time that actually the, the, the UK, at least at the state level, is fascistic. Our, our establishment has been fascist for a long time. On the basis of, of, of one of the, what I've tacked to be really one of the main features, which is the absolute entanglement of corporate and state power, which applies now all across the Western world. America has been fascist a long time on this on this idea. This causes Mussolini's definition. Somebody said to Mussolini, "Well, what's this fascism that you?" I mean, I think he, he may have coined the term fascism. It's an Italian term. It's a Latin term, actually. And uh, he said, uh, "Oh well, it's, it's 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 state and government power are the same. You know, they're, they're completely wedded. State, sta- state power, sorry, state power and corporate power are completely wedded. And this, of course, did happen." You know, and and we have that feature. We have it perhaps even more strongly than in the classical fa- fascist states of Nazi Germany and and, and Mussolini's Italy. Uh, but another one, and I I put it like as the number two, the thing that I look for is this irrationalism. 
And this is the theme drawn out by Eric Fromm, the great Freudian Marxist, psychoanalyst, but who's also committed Marxist who's in, in the Frankfurt School, had to leave Germany to escape the, uh, the Nazis because he was a Jew as well. And they, they hated the Frankfurt School. They all went to America and set it all up there and became prominent academics, Adorno and Horkheimer and Marcuse. To my mind, these, they, these are very, very interesting thinkers, you know. But Eric from uh, went to great pains to analyse using his, his psychoanalytic uh, understanding um, that the characters, the personalities and the characters of the, the most prominent Nazis, you know. And uh, very interesting, he wrote two books on that at least. One is called The Fear of Freedom, and that's a short book that he wrote in the middle of the war. Fantastic title, I do love that title. Yeah, it's, it's a rather brilliant book in which he, he does this exercise, you, you know, and he's got a great deal to say about about the weaponisation of the death instinct and the philosophical problems in in trying to flesh that out. And I'll probably use that as as, as an example of that mode of thought when I get round to it finally. Uh, the other one is a, a massive tome, big thick book. Hundreds and hundreds of pages. I don't know what seven hundred pages. It's just a bit. It's a very thick book called "The Anatomy of Human Destructiveness." Oh, that's another. That's another whoppingly good title there. Yeah, yeah. I think that came out in the seventies. I remember working my way very carefully through that at the time, and it's 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 incredibly detailed. But he he, he does a job on all of them: Hitler, Himmler, Göring, the lot. They they all get psychoanalysed. Goebbels, you know, and it, it, I mean, it, 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 it gets you thinking about the character of somebody who willingly embraces irrationalism in this manner, you know, whereby they'll say, they'll, they'll talk about scientists, doctors and, uh, and medical science that has been in the hands of mad scientists, appealing to all that stuff in, in popular literature, you know, like Lex Luthor or somebody, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and, uh, and Dr. Frankenstein, you know. In his in his laboratory with his mad eyes and and, and the flasks bubbling with kind of vapor and his white coat of course you know and and that that kind of that that image which invokes some kind of fear that people do have of, of, of medics. You know, we always talk about how pe- how they're going to capture the uh, the resentment. So we talk a lot and think think an awful lot about uh, where things are going obviously and um, one of the very classic things that end up in a very bad place for everybody is when times are hard people are unhappy angry they have all this anger with nowhere to go uh, so um, I mean Channel 4 to be fair to them put out some brilliant documentaries about the sheer desperation in the UK with the cost of living crisis at the moment it is it is a true crisis, a true crisis. It's like it's like they're on like a you know a, like a war footing. These people, you know, it's like it's uh, and it's yeah. not just a few people. It's like it's 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 millions and millions of us. It's it's terrible, yeah. terrible fucking time. And when there was one woman being interviewed and she was crying, they kind of they, I must say, Channel Four, they do love it when somebody they interviews is crying. <laughs> uh, you can almost hear the mm. producer in the background going, "Yeah, we got one. It's gold. It's gold. gold TV gold." Yeah. Anyway, 
and uh, you know, but you know, I, I think she's being completely sort of genuine because she's really, really upset. Uh, uh, she's got no idea where mm. her life is going, or if she's going to be able to eat, or if she's mm. going to be homeless. And she says, "I feel angry," but I don't know who to be angry at. And mm. she she says this a couple of times, and I think she's probably echoing like what quite a lot of people are mm. feeling at the moment, mm. uh, like where to kind of put this this resentment, this anger, this bad feeling, like yeah. what to do, where to put it, how to, how to, how to, uh, where to put it, where it can make some positive changes in your life. Yeah. And um, this, of course, is something which has been uh, whipped up. Absolutely. So that, and the, and because it's, it's a classic move of the, the right, the far right, to capture this anger this resentment and then yeah. and then use it for their yeah. own ends which actually the people who support them um it ends up destroying them even further yeah. you know so that's one of the uh, well this is a good reason to propagate the irrationalism because yeah. uh, you know every, everybody has a, a certain core of irrationalism as, yeah. I, as i just mentioned even even normally quite rational people yeah and uh If it can be captured and mobilised and intensified, those people are not going to perform a rational analysis of, of, of why their situation is so shitty. Yeah, so they can be fed any old shit. Yeah, Once they're well, in the mire of well, that they, irrational they, they, stuff, they, do. they can be directed to do awful things to other people yeah, but historically in we the name of new thing they believe. Historically, we know this, we know this to be the case. Oh, yeah. We know this to be the case. Classic move, classic. To, yeah. be, to be the case. And... Uh, and, and that just seemed to me to be intensifying. And uh, I mean, the, one of the classic moves is to direct that resentment to, to immigrants. It's why the sandwich about about the people coming across in in the boats. Yeah. And all the right wing arseholes harp on and harp on and a harp yeah. on about. And that is a move to capture that resentment. Yeah, that's real because people people are frightened on. Uh, of, of being thrown out of their houses or having to start or starving or their children starving. Mm-hmm. And so they are absolute prey for this. Yeah, and, that's, and it's that's been, not enough. Now they're trying to kind of direct it yeah. like towards the people who are striking, so they can actually yeah. eat and and yeah. kind of keep their their yeah. houses warm. Well, it, it's, it's the people who are on strike who, who've managed to perform a rational analysis of why they're in the position that they're in. Yeah, yeah, right? they're, they're taking appropriate Mick, action. Mick Lynch is yeah. is a pretty rational guy. Yeah, Nigel Farage is an irrationalist. Yeah. Jordan Peterson is, is is in some sense an irrationalist. Mm. Sophie Corcoran and Darren Grimes are, are just they are just irrational. They've got the kind of Dunning Kruger. They don't really know how irrational they are. You know. Yeah, they're, they're so far down the rabbit hole. They've got no yeah. no idea yeah. what, but, what's but, going on. Well, I mean, it, it was there in the Daily Mail today. Do not wear a mask. Farage tweets out, "I'm not wear. Don't wear a mask." Capital letters. You know, wow. Sophie Corcoran tweets out, I will not wear a mask. And it, all, it, it all gets coordinated. They all come out at the same time. Yeah. And, of course, the, the, the Twitter wags all put, Tufton Street says what is in their replies, you know, question yeah. mark. Because these are all talking points that come up in the, the Tufton Street. Yeah, I mean, this is a great um, time not to be wearing a mask, just as many, many variants are popping out probably every day in China because of the mass infection there now that they've uh, lifted their lockdowns. Uh, yeah. So that's a great time, a really, yeah. really great time to not be wearing a mask. It's like this mm. this irrationalism, if we were talking about the pathological thing before, well, I would say that 
if you have if you're following and living by and uh, irrational ideas which are actually going to cause you harm right that would be to me the definition of patho- pathological irrationalism and mm. in, in in the case of covid like for instance you could be proudly not wearing your mask get covid and die so it could kind of either you know it could it, your your kind of fervent mm. beliefs about oh i don't believe in masks could actually kill you you know, and why are you believing yeah. that? Because the people who are like pumping out the stuff yeah. find it they're very financially advantageous for them to have you believing whatever they want. Well, it's a power play as well. It's, it's, yeah. devo- it's dividing rule, and yeah. it's also to, pro- to propagate the irrationalism, which prevents or inhibits a- actual rational analysis. Yeah, uh, catching on, or even people just doing some kind of rational analysis. analysis. Yeah, uh, and. Uh, this, this this is why I mean it, it, there is in fact as far as I can see no other explanation for that for that complex you know for that question that a lot of lefties go on Twitter and say why is it that the right wing arseholes who believe in uh, you know unbridled free market economics and and gladiatorial capitalism and and, and uh, um, anti trade union you know it's just just incredibly right wing right yeah. Are also like anti-science, anti-anti-vaccine, anti-max, anti-climate change, and also try and present a picture that this is like if you tell them that they're being idiots, oh, you're trying to silence me, and it's I'm entitled to my opinion. Some things are not a matter of opinion, to be honest with you. No. You know. Yeah, because there um, are actually things that exist called facts. Yeah, pl- pl- and reality. Pl- plus, even though many, many things in life are a matter of opinion, we we can't escape that kind of hermen- irreducible hermeneutics of a l- many parts of our situation. I, I concede that. I think the beauty of life resides in that in many ways. At the same time, all opinions are not equal either. No. There is still a means of appraising an opinion. I mean, I go into this endlessly over and over again, and uh, but it's, it's it's a fairly tricky procedure. You 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 have to have pondered pondered this hard and long in some ways, you know. So we're, we're at a disadvantage those of us who are kind of pushing for some sort of basic sanity and rationality, it, because that that is the hope for humanity. Because we saw what happened with the with the, the this knowing irrationalism. In the twentieth century, so it, it is worrying, and, and 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 the amount of effort and vehemence that's been pushed into this, you know. The workers have stirred, and in many instances have started to catch a glimpse of, of their rational self-interest, as 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 our, as, as, uh, our right-wing econo- economists term it. Yeah. You know, when the workers do it, they really don't like it. You know, it's a free market for everything except labour. Yeah. You oh, know, yeah. yet labour is still conceived of as a commodity. All commodities have to be find their price in the free market, except labour, but which is also a commodity. I mean, and now the argument against that again is 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 is, is an irrational is an irrational one, but it's one that I want to mention because it gained enormous traction in in the last forty years post the election of Mrs Thatcher in 1979, Ronald Reagan in 1982, and the, the concomitant rise of, of, of the uh, neoliberal economists, particularly Milton Friedman, 
but also you know th- these are all disciples of Hayek and all, all the rest of the gang and, and Buchanan in the United States immensely influential through his connection with the coke coke industries and the coke brothers big oil in other words these, these are like the, the intellectual prize fighters of big oil yeah. and big weapons and big war and what arose there was the notion that Mrs Thatcher expressed very succinctly there is no such thing as society there are only individuals this was her first formulation the guys in the back room at, at, at Tory HQ or you know the spin doctors in number 10 said to you've got to be careful with that yeah. what about families so yeah. the next time she said it she changed it yeah and she said they knew that wouldn't fly because people yeah. do actually care about their families well of course of course they do yeah. of course there's that deep biological connection with children and, yeah. and, and grandchildren and so forth which is immensely powerful for yeah. human beings yeah. you, you can't break that it's, it's very deep and so she changed it to there's no such thing as society only individuals and their families but that was an afterthought the true sentiment was that there's only individuals yeah now, that is an irrational notion, and she must have known it. Mrs Thatcher had two fucking university degrees, you know. She was a lawyer and a chemist, you know, and it, it, she might even had a, a higher degree in chemistry or something. She yeah. wasn't stupid. Yeah. But she was. She was morally stupid. Mm. You know, and, and, and deeply, and fascistically deeply irrational, as was Ronald Reagan. You know, and what is the irrationality there? The irrationality there is to deny the reality of society... And to deny the reality of, of, of social of the absolute centrality of social existence for human beings, we do not survive without developing societies of one form or another. Yeah, and this seems to be very, very apparent right now because yeah. well, because of the cost of living crisis, people are having to support each other and yeah. rely on each other more yeah. than they ever do, yeah. have done before. And I'm kind of wondering if this divide and rule kind of like tactic is really losing its power, and particularly now because people are going to be far more likely to... They're not going to be arguing about what so-and-so said on Twitter when, they, when they're when they hungry That's and they're having to pull together to make That's a correct. soup kitchen so yeah. their kids can eat. Yeah, I mean, I mean we, we, we know this. They're on the, on the ground. There, there, there are examples of the, the, uh, the rise, the reinvention of mutual aid at, at the level of streets and societies and villages and suburbs and so forth yeah. and communities, and that's happening. That, that, that is happening as a response to the situation. But, of course, that, that is deeply rational. Mutual aid is deeply rational. Yeah. But it contradicts the Thatcherite dictum that there is no such thing as society because it's an attempt to rebuild society at its very most basic foundational level, mm. which is the community, the local community. Yeah. And families are a part of that. But we do not survive as, an, as animals on the planet Earth without that. No. And they denied it, and it, uh, uh, it's coming home to roost now, 40 years later. Yeah. Because it fragmented society completely. But, I mean, what was its purpose? Its purpose was, was primarily to uh, give a philosophical basis for banning trade unions, because trade unions are not a, a, a sort of, a, what you might say, um, non-individualistic institutions... Mm. organically set up by the working class themselves yeah right Just because they, 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 they are instead of there's no such thing as society they're saying there is such a thing as society and we are one we are we are making ourselves a society and we're going to act as a society and use the power that it gives us to promote our interest and the good of society 
Mrs. Thatcher couldn't have that because she was shilling for the capitalists. That's why she smashed the miners. Yeah. That was that was literally about smashing, and the word is correct, smashing the miners, which she succeeded in doing after the, a very, very bitter strike, in which people died. Yeah. I mean, I think good Coming luck up. to Sunak to try and smash all the people on strike at the moment, because <coughs> it's just too big. He won't I do it. I can't see how he can do it. He won't do it, but this is the essence of the struggle, but it's, an es it's a struggle, in essence, against the, the a fascistic, a proto-fascistic irrationalism yeah. that Mrs Thatcher... Uh, through an opportunism and, and a certain kind of nasty intelligence was able to sort of throw into the world where it had a life of its own for 40 years and we're now, we're now picking up the cost but the other thing besides like you know, contradictory mutual aid contradicting union uh, trade union uh, development and trade union power what else did it contradict? That's of course not the only thing that this 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 dictum was meant to achieve. You know, there's no such thing as society that are individuals, and that was my and that was to make the individual the primary concern of the citizen. Their individuality suddenly became important. Their collective identity was was less important, particularly if it was based on the rationality of an understanding of their economic position in society, particularly for working people. And again, if they think of themselves as individuals and sovereign individuals, they're going to be less inclined to become committed to their trade unions. And of course, trade union membership de declined post Thatcherism to, to the point now where we're saying we're getting sort of quite uh, sort of interested in the fact that there's this new rise in, in labour activism. We still only have uh, sort of 20% of people in employment actually belonging to trade unions, which is tiny, and it was much, it was much bigger way back in, then in the 70s, before this, this new instantiation of the individual as the primary concern of, 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 the primary concern of, of, of people. Now, what that did was... It may have been an individual project for people as they grew up in school and moved out into the world. And stuff. They, they, they were taught to consider themselves as individuals. And remember, Miss, the Thatcher government did, did a lot of intervention in the education processes. We're now seeing the, res, the, the result of that. You know, the, 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 the individuality is, has become almost, in many instances, toxic. And, and for reasons that Eric Fromm, who we referred to earlier, out, outlines, you know, how malignant characters are produced, but uh, uh, is actually something that you can you you can see through this this Thatcherisation process. Now, of course, an individual whose project in life is their own individuality. Needs the means to express that individual individuality. Needs the means to actually produce and consolidate that individuality to work out what it is. Hence, we, we get the whole colour Californian syndrome of self-help, of, of obsessive thera therapy for people who, are, <laughs> who, who, who actually function reasonably well with a normal degree of neurosis. The whole kind, the whole kind of therapy culture, self-help culture, me, me culture, the me generation, all of that stuff, 
It becomes a project. It's something that you do. You have to make your individuality. You have to decide what sort of person you are. Then you have to buy the sig- the signals and the signs and enter into the semiology of expressing that individuality. I'm either kind of person who wears Levi's or Wranglers. You decide. Do I drive a, a sports car or a, a Mini? You decide. You know, And you, you express your individuality through cr- producing... You express your individuality through the things that you buy, through commodities. Great for capitalism. That individualistic organising of the economy was great for capitalism, for consumer capitalism, as well as being great for the project of uh, countering the attraction of trade unions. So what that means in terms of, uh, of character structure is the general character structure is how much uh, narcissism we see, you might call it. And I mean, we were talk- talking about, uh, I, I was saying there was the similarity between a lot of these right-wing arseholes who, you know, espouse the, irration- the irrationalism of anti-science think they know better than trained epidemiologists and climate scientists on the basis of some kind of imagined notion of common sense. And how their characters are, are often have this, this, this sort of horrible narcissism. Now, I don't like the, the, the use of narcissism as, as, a, as a catch-all piece of psychobabble. You know, I think there's something a bit misguided about that. But nevertheless, what we've got here basically is Thatcherite individualism raised to its highest power, and it's these horrible, toxic individuals who spread nauseous ideas in the population, and they were very influential on young people. The number of young men that think Jordan Peterson, some kind of like sage, and certainly, apparently, this Andrew Tate guy had an influence on young adolescent men, basement dwellers. Who, who through him have come to think that women are just their kind of chattels who should be uh, treated with contempt as, as, as sex objects existing only to satisfy their penises, you know, and there's this, this whole kind just of... Just to interject there, that, that whole thing with uh, Greta Thunberg and the, and the uh, Romanian pizza was really <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> it, was, it was kind of hilarious, but also... There very... was a lot of schadenfreude to be had on There was a lot day. of schadenfreude there, yeah, but, it, but, but it was deeply, deeply, deeply kind of nasty all around, you know. Oh, and God, yeah. This kind of like... Tre- this treacly soup of, 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 of stuff that makes you think of... Well, it, it, it makes, make, makes me think of... The, of, of I don't know, the, pre- the profound misery that the fascism unleashed, you know, and it, there's something very dark about that misery. It's not just ordinary misery. So you've got toothache or you fell out with your girlfriend or anything like that. It's very, very, I find hard to express it. I can't say it's like treacly. It's like, it's like the evil stuff that you can get in the bottom of your dustbin if, you, if you're not fastidious about keeping it clean, you know. It's just really, really, really horrible. So all of this ties together, and this is a bit of a ramble, and I didn't expect to be doing this this morning. Yeah, I did rather spring this on you this morning, but just I just thought well, the, yeah. the the stuff that we were talking about, I thought would be interesting enough to share yeah. with you guys. Yeah. We're in the kitchen at the moment, so if you hear some some cosy kitchen background noise, uh, that's that's what it is. Yeah. But if you've been listening to our podcast for any length of time, you're used to yeah. plenty of background noise as we uh, we stride around generally. Yeah. 
I mean, that's the way, that's the way, that's the way we do a, a lot of it. So I was thinking of calling this podcast uh, the mass the mass psychology of Thatcherism, you know, and and that that its its worst manifestation is, is a horrible, a horrible type of personality that that that's violently uh, irrational and very very unattractive. I was I was thinking of calling it the um, uh, the the rise of pathological irrationalism in our society question mark because <laughs> is it rising or is it just gives the appearance that it's rising that's the thing yeah I'm not sure that it is rising I, I think they just want to make make it look like it is yeah I think you might I think you might be right about that the, to, to to ascertain levels would be quite a difficult thing but it's there in big black headlines on the front of the Daily Mail this morning do not wear a mask. Because a professor somewhere said, very mildly, you know, if you're you're ill with a respiratory disease, you may not know what it is. It might be flu, it might be cockroaches, but, you know, stay at home or or, or if you've got to go out, wear a mask to protect others. Now, where is that any skin off anybody's nose? But some people turn that into a hill to die on. Literally, how, a hill to die on. How, yeah. how rational is that? Because yeah. even if it even if it turns out some scientists come along and go, totally foolproof experiment, it's all bollocks. You don't need them. What does it cost anybody? It's cost, it hasn't cost anybody anything. Yeah. It's the price of a mask, you know. Yeah. And in fact, uh, if the government had any sense, you'd be able to go into the into the pharmacist and 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 get fifty masks for free. Yeah. But. Let, let's imagine that, you know, the whole, the, the whole notion that there is some protection to be had through good quality masks is completely and utterly and irrevocably and uncontestably ascertained. It's still, it's still nothing. It's not a hill to die on, is it? No. Bloody stupid hill to die on. Yeah. It might be, it, this might be a bit, more, a bit more serious when it comes to climate, climate denial. It, it, it could be, but all of the, these people are climate deniers. Sophie Corker and Redley talks about net zero nonsense, you know, as does Darren Grimes, usually in the in the same hour, because it's obviously getting a directive or a fucking memo from somewhere saying this is the talking point today, you know. And it'd be one of these right wing coke, uh, big oil funded uh, uh, think so called think tanks, which are really just propaganda outfits. So there is an enormous amount of money and effort being expended on promoting this irrationalism. And it doesn't really matter what the subject is, whether it's masks or climate or, I don't know, the people who want to change their sex or any of this kind of stuff. Or, or, or whether it's immigrants, you know. I mean, immigrants are a good, are the traditional focus for, for the, the seething resentment that the mass of people feel when their lives are put in jeopardy by an economic collapse of the society they live in, which, of course, we see in, in abundance. Of course, the, this, was, this was Hitler's trump card, you know, the, 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 the simmering anti-Semitism in Central Europe was, was ripe for it anyway. This was an historical uh, um, c- cultural manifestation, very unpleasant, but a generalised anti-Semitism that he was able to, to latch on and intensify as a means of focusing, that, f- focusing the resentment of people just in case they, they actually started to really understand the situation and become socialists. And that nearly happened. That nearly happened in Germany. There was a socialist revolution in Germany in 1919, at the, the end of the war. So, so Hitler won that battle because he mobilised that resentment. 
at the same time was getting the backing of the capitalists who thought that they would be able to manage him. Of course, they couldn't. When push come to shove, they couldn't. You know, they, they underestimated how it was going to pan out. But they, they, they would rather have Hitler than a socialist government that would perhaps try and nationalise their industries. So, there's a lot of stuff going on there. So, as you say, it's probably not as prevalent as you think, but at the same time, it is extremely dangerous. Yeah, because of how much, how much money in the billions and billions of dollars is being spent on, on this, 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 this dangerous project of fostering... Uh, human, human, irrational, human irrationality in order to protect capitalism. Yeah, and also, I mean, going back to like the, you know, it doesn't matter. They don't care what the distraction is. It could be anything as long as it does like, the yeah, job yeah. to distract people from what they're doing. And going back to the path pathological irrationalism, whether it's like Harry and Meghan or the yeah, immigrants, or oh, my God, you I know, mean, the, there's the a hill to there's a hill to die on. Oh God, or King Charles or whatever, you know. It's yeah. like well, whatever it is. But the thing is that climate change is 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 just moving into the catastrophic zone i mean for some areas it's of of uh, the planet it's um it's like they they don't have any time left to think about the climate because their life no. is already destroyed yeah. no, it, you know their 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 country's nearly already destroyed it, here's, here's one you you aren't have heard uh, and um this is coming it's come out recently there's a, there's a country called tuvalu yeah which is a set of islands somewhere very low-lying islands. There's eleven islands and nine islands, yeah. and it's, it's a republic. It's a, it's, it's an independent country too. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the highest point on on, on the islands is like six feet above sea level, isn't it? God. So what they're doing yeah. is, they're actually everybody will have to migrate off these islands before very long, actually, as it happens. Yeah. So they're, they're actually they're migrating to to the metaverse. So right. that they can but they're downloading, they're uploading themselves to the internet. Is that where they're going to live they're now? They're uploading themselves. <laughs> right. Now, honest to God, this is, this is a very, very serious proposal because what because it will mean it's as scary and, and science fiction as it is. You can see that the, the rationale is that they will be able to retain their their being as a legal entity as, uh, in in the international law as a nation state, even when their territory disappears. Oh, so I you will see, have the yeah. citizenship, yeah. but but there will be a metaverse instantiation of it, right? And you'll go in with your avatar and stuff like that. And of course, the people have to, they'll migrate all over the planet, but they'll still be citizens of Tuva. Lou, I mean, it's it's obviously it's desperate and mad, and yeah. and and at the same time, it, it brings home the reality of what's going on. And this and this is very very seriously being being worked through. Yeah, I'm going to told you again what that the, the professor. I wish I could remember the guy's name. I'll try and find out. The, the guy in Bangladesh, a very, very le learned man, Bangladesh, he's saying, well, you know, uh, 1.5 degrees is for you, the rich people. Yeah, that's I mean, when, well, when you told me this a few days ago, it was like it was such yeah. a disturbing... Yeah, he said, that's when you're going to get it up the arse at 1.5, really, really, really catastrophically. He says, but we're already screwed. Yeah. You know, so Bang Bangladesh is... is I, I looked up the population, it's 150 million. I, it's just... A lot of people in a small space that's pretty well mostly at sea level. God, yeah. I mean, and, the, and, and, stuff and, that's going on in Europe right now, when we talk about catastrophic like, yeah. climate change, I mean, 
uh, it's like this basically they're having summer at the big like what we we would consider mm-hmm. here in Britain as summertime temperatures in uh, parts of Europe where they're kind of walking around in like shorts and t-shirts and yeah, it's mm-hmm. hot. It was 19 degrees in Prague. Like, my God! I mean, what the hell's going to happen with the ecosystem yeah. there? You know, not, not, I mean, the they've yeah. got all the wildlife and the trees and all all, all the plants and everything. Going to be thinking, well, what the fuck is this? How are you going to grow food and when you don't know what the weather's the winter doing? Winter crops are going to not even have a clue where they are or what to do. Like, yeah. oh my God. But being a farmer has become a lot, lot more difficult. Very serious. I mean, if you really want to know what's going on, get up at five o'clock in the morning or whatever time it is and listen to farming today like I do because that's where you get the real news. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah, like what are we going to yeah. eat in the future? I mean, I was listening to the, the vice president of the, 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 the United Nations uh, climate, climate guys, the guys who put out these reports that, that scare some people and push other people into, de- de- to, into denial. The big, the big conglomeration of tri- climate science stuff. I just can't remember the acronym for now. But she, this woman, uh, this, uh, Professor somebody, um, I think it's a European, I can't remember her name, She's the voice chair. She says, well, you know, a one-off incident doesn't signify anything because that, that always happens. There are always records get broken all the time. Hot days, did it? Unusual weather events. Yes, that is normal. He says, but what, is, what, is, what, is, what isn't normal is when you get them, when every year for the last 12 years or whatever it is, it's broken the record. Yeah. When you get that, that and, and for that to happen again, it's extremely, unlo- un- extremely unlikely. That's the sign. But of course, this is the misunderstanding that the, the climate deniers can come. So it's just weather. Do you remember the, the heat wave in 76 or something like that? Or the minor ice age, you know, yeah. all that kind of bollocks. And of course, they are perfectly correct that the one-off incident doesn't really signify anything. Mind you, they don't mind when it, you know, when it snows in Texas. They'll say, well, where's, where's the global warming? It's snowing in Texas. You know, it's supposed to be like 20 degrees this time of year. Now, it's very interesting, you know, what is it? It's January the 4th, right? The, the, the record for temperatures in almost every European country for January has already been broken. God. And it's only the 4th. <laughs> you know. I mean, last, last year was the hottest on record for Britain, France, Ireland, Spain. Yeah. Uh, and the year before was, and next year will be, almost certainly. So it's not surprising that the uh, the yeah. right wing are really having to yeah. ramp up their game because yeah. it's like it's hard not to notice summertime in the winter, isn't it? Yeah. You know? Yeah, um, but as I say, a one-off doesn't signify anything very yeah, much. Yeah, This is the we, point. We, all we, we really need to, under- felt it we really like need to under- understand that, otherwise yeah. you've got no counter to the stupid argument, oh, it's just yeah. weather. Yeah, weather well, isn't climate. Like you know, breaking a record year after year, also sometimes several yeah. times a year. Yeah. The coldest, the warmest, like every yeah. single year. Yeah. You know, people are noticing. Yeah. Like they the, can't the, not the, notice. The other thing that's freaking the scientists is that it happened in and the, the last year was the, the hottest record year on record for the world, right? Yeah. And certainly for Britain and all these European countries. And it happened in an El Nino year. You know, the El Nino is this, this kind of fluctuation of currents that happens in the Pacific Ocean that affects the entire world climate. El Nino years are cooler. Oh, El Nino years are hotter. And we had the hottest climate. We had the hottest, the hottest summer, summer on record. The hottest year on record. Last year, right? T- 22. In an El Nino year. Oh. 
God. Next year is probably going to be an El Nino year or the year after. So that'll be interesting. It's going to be, uh, I, I would say that there's a very high chance of it being a pretty hot summer. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm expecting it. I mean, I'm doing like preparations. I mean, bought a fan for the first time in the summer and I, I don't know how I would have got any sleep at all without having that fan on me no, all no. night. You know, I really don't. It was mm. just... I mean that was only for a short time as well here, and we've got the sea breeze, so it's uh, yeah, we, it's we, better yeah. than being in land. But oh my mm. god, like we, having, like it's like we we kind of in this country we sort of we don't look forward to the winter. It's a bit miserable. I mean some people do, but most of us feel like oh god the winter, and then these dark dark months, and it grinds on. And then we look all look forward to the summer, and it, that's our time to be happy and to go to festivals <laughs> or to do things or to have fun, go on holiday or whatever. Mm. But now the summer feels like an enemy, uh, like you know, like or uh, just not. Well, yeah, it almost feels like an enemy in the same way as that you could be um, become very ill through getting chilled in the winter you could now become very ill through heat stroke in the summer mm. so it's uh, it's like the summer and the winter are both kind of worrying times now but that's you know I would say that there seems to me a, a big correlation between how hard the right winger working to distract us and the actual real life yeah. problems in the world yeah. like summer and the and winter then, time. And then, and then not being able to grow food anymore and stuff then, like that and how much money the, the, the really super super rich yeah. uh, 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 throw in at the, their, um, their lackeys to pursue this project that's why it's dangerous even if it's not catching on but they're making they're making they're working very hard to try and make it catch on and obviously you know you, you can go on Twitter Elon Musk puts all the right wing stuff into your feed you can think that it's bigger than it is but actually, I think you have to be very careful about underestimating it, given just how many resources are devoted to the, the project of, of un, un, unhinging our rational understanding and our pursuit of our rational self-interest by the promotion of, of, of a sheer fascistic irrationalism. And the people that knowing, knowingly do this, I would class as wicked, Absolutely. And I'm not really much of a good and evil bloke, you know. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I'm not much of a Christian theologian. I, I, I have much truck with the devil or anything like that. But I've been forced into a corner here to say that it's actually fucking wicked. And also, I mean, there is the. <laughs> it's not just the Tories on just not doing anything about um, the incredibly dire situation that people are finding themselves in with the collapse of the NHS and extreme cost of living crisis and the, the rise of, of real hardship and poverty they're actively encouraging it because if you look at a podcast that we did a while ago about charter cities mm. oh their little plan which they have talked about openly many times mm. um, to basically put a private company corporation in charge of a city so it's going to be a privately owned and run city of, a, of an yeah. area size of about 45 miles but sometimes i think they are extending it to maybe 75 miles across now the uh, as we just stated well, 75 in the podcast, square miles 75 yeah, square miles the uh, um as we stated in that podcast the only way that this can work 
is if being outside the charter city is far, far worse than basically being a privately owned slave inside the city, where at least yeah. you would get food and maybe enough money to buy some medical care and um, see a dentist every few years. Yeah. Well, so they, they love the policy, really. That's, uh, yeah. that's the, if we're going to say you're yeah. evil, I would say doing it on purpose. Yeah. You know, well, not, not just through ignorance. Yeah. So not just through uh, misplaced ideology, but actually, you know, they know what they're doing and they're doing it on purpose. We're yeah. going to say that's pretty it's, evil. It's, it's happening. The, the I think it's the silent ones now. It's now, now underway. Oh, and uh, of course, Sunak is is a chief proponent of this because he was a student of Paul Romer yeah. at Stanford, who is the the originator of this idea. Actually, he was inspired by the Chinese creating these uh, free enterprise zones in order to inject some capitalism in, into the uh, stagnant Maoism and, and, uh, and build the economy through a sort of a process very similar to what happened in, the, in Britain uh, with the Industrial Revolution in, in the late 18th and the 19th century by forcing people off the land into the cities to man the factories. But of course the perfect worker in a charter city is not unionised. They'll probably ban unions yeah, completely. Yeah. Is an individual, right? You know, not a social animal, an, indivi- an, an individual. And how it works, how it feeds into all this, this toxic Thatcherism, this denial of our collectivity, utter rampant, irrational, fascistic denial of our sociality. Yeah, it's, it's a foot, it's, they're doing it, it's unfolding now as we speak. And I don't see Starmer's Labour thinking it's a bad idea. They might perhaps try and moderate some of the, the deleterious anti-humanitarian effects of it a little bit. But that is all I would expect of them, given what they seem to think about the economy and about economics at the moment. So anyway, that's our, our morning ramble in the kitchen, whereas we are... Um, it's basically, I looked at the, uh, the weather report a couple of days ago and it said it's going to rain forever <laughs> that's what it said and it's yeah uh, it's been it's it, like up the hill it's just like every path is just a dangerous mudslide at the moment mm. and it's like being a blade runner in it oh god is it blade runner and everything's just it's rain it rains all the yeah. time yeah. oh god it's, it just feels so dark <laughs> and misty and murky oh and don't forget the high winds as well just to sound like buff buffy it feels okay. like you're being, yeah, your head's being like battered, battered with a like a, an old telephone book from all angles, like yeah. and that's what it feels like. I being don't know. Outside. I, I went on the beach yesterday and it was absolutely yeah. beautiful. It there was, is moments. There's moments. It wasn't sunny, but well, it was just very beautiful. We look out the window. We've got this little, um, uh, like a uh, an old plant pot full of water outside one of our windows, and that's our like our weather gauge. Yeah. I look at it and think, right, it's not raining. Yeah. And the, the, if the, the surface is rip, rip, like <laughs> rippling, don't go out. Don't yeah. go out. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so we, we're really just dodging the raindrops at the moment. So we're going yeah. to be doing a lot more in, indoor recording for yeah. a while, I think. Well, I did yesterday. I did an, an almost an hour on on what oh, I think. Yeah, what I think. What I th- my my uh, old Moore's Almanac trip for twenty three. Yeah. Which in which I I, I um, disclaim. M- Making predictions. Anybody <laughs> who predicts is a fool, and then I go on and do it. Of course, yeah. you know. 
but watch out, chaps. Watch out, kids. Yeah. Yet still I smile. Yeah, yet still, yet I, still smile. I smile. But, but on a brighter note... There's a lot of good shit going down too. Yeah. And, and it is actually, it's regenerate or die, you know. Well, yeah. And regenerate means repudiate the, 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 the siren call of, of a, a willful and conscious disposal of nasty irrationalism. Okay, if you have if you have resentment, try and figure out the best place to channel it. Don't channel it inwards; it'll poison you. But it's certainly not our immigrants' fault. Yeah. It's certainly not the fault of. And it's not somebody wearing a mask in the supermarket. No, Don't uh, no, that might, no, that might that might be somebody with an autoimmune disease. You, you know. <laughs> I'm still wearing a mask if, in shops. Yeah, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, if it's if it's wrong, what 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 what's the loss? I know, yeah, yeah. You know, so ridiculous. There we go. But uh, I'll just uh, just just finish with this because um, something nice happened this morning, and uh, I'm kind of waking up very early at the moment. It's dark. It's a bit miserable, and um, I, I managed to wait long enough for my morning watch. I need to have just to sort of get my, get myself uh, awake, and I really like to go outside shortly after waking up. So uh, it was just light enough to, to see things and not trip over, which was nice. And the wind had dropped, so it was pretty, and there's nobody around at that time in the morning. It's yet. beautiful, isn't it? So it was really nice, but it was very, very misty and murky. But when I got to the end of the spit, um, and looking down at the uh, the channel that comes into our harbour here, and the, the current there is very strong, and there was an otter swimming around in the uh, mm. in the water there and I was thinking it was doing incredibly well on the swimming because the current was really yeah. strong and uh, also it's a good um, indication if you ever wanted to go fishing that if the otter fish is there there's, there's probably a good sign it's it's, yeah, a, yeah. it's a good spot yeah, we no, but it was lovely mm. to see it because we we'd seen the otter a few times but mm. in a different place but at this time it was like really close for the first time and it was like bobbing around for ages mm. I didn't know I was there watching it was like it was it was a lovely moment, and amongst the darkness, there are many joys. There are yeah. many joys. There are many joys to be had. Yeah. And and, and it's it's the joy which is the counter to, to 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 resentment. You know, it's it's amazingly it's the healthiest thing. You know, joy is free, as I said yesterday. And and when you find it, taste it, and it, it will be very helpful to as long you. As it's not a particular joy that hurts someone else. Well, if you if if you kind of get your rocks off like stabbing people in the eye and stuff like that, no, I, would, don't do I, would, that. I would I would I would advise against that, you know, <laughs> or joining some kind of like fascist troop, or lis- listening to the siren calls of these these fecking uh, paid uh, uh, propagandists. Anyway, very go over and out. Have a good apocalypse, people. <laughs> yeah. uh, lots of love, and make knowledge great again. Over and out. <laughs>